Welcome to the Skyrim Unbound Podcast. I'm Stu. And I'm Joe. And I'm Matt. Welcome, everybody, to the Unbound Podcast. This is the podcast where we do a community role play. We set up some challenges for you in Skyrim, and uh, you you take these challenges and you try to implement them, and we see what you come up with, and we share our experiences every episode throughout Season 4. In the Skyrim. In the Skyrim. Yes, excellent. In the Skyrim. The so if you're, if you're doing this in some other game, it might apply, but... It like, probably won't work. Like but dragons, it probably won't work. Like this Slayer. season in particular won't work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it could be adapted, <laughs> I suppose. Yes. I'm certain it could be adapted for Fallout, but I don't know about other games. I don't know. I don't know. All right. So let's get to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Unbound Season 4, Episode 1. Episode 1, we refer to as the Origins episode, and this is where we lay out all the rules and the guidelines for the upcoming season of Skyrim Unbound. All right? And in this workshop, we are going to be focused on roleplay. Every time it's about roleplay, but we cover different aspects of it. We approach it in different ways, and the challenge is to be as creative as we can, given those rule sets. So in the Origins episode... You may refer uh, to your uh, your player guide, if you will. You'll find that on charactercrusade.com. Right on the homepage, you'll see uh, Season 4 posts where you can check out the syllabus. Basically, it is a syllabus in blog form. Each of the six episodes that constitute Season 4 are listed there for you. You can click on Episode 1. And that will kind of show you the layout for what we're doing here. Now, understand that uh, we are going to be going in and updating this blog post as the final rule set is decided. So if you ever want to come back to this post, you can certainly do that. But the main reason for this post is so that you can access the handy-dandy guides on here. One of them is for your circles of character conflict. The other one is for your story structure in case you want to do something with value pairs, stuff like that. It helps you kind of manage these different things. Now, remember, we also have a resource where we try to um, basically pull everything together uh, at one easy URL. You can go to unbound.charactercrusade.com, and we'll have basically all the rules laid out there, as well as a submission form. Okay? Now, the first thing I want to point out, this season, we, there was there's not going to be any required homework. So, after Season 3, in the last episode of Season 3... Uh, we did basically a retrospective where we talked about what went well, what didn't go well, what kind of things we might want to change to improve it. Uh, we did some surveys, even. And uh, through surveys, what we discovered is that people felt like the homework was too arduous. Now, however, we got some conflicting messages in that there were people who did the homework completely who said they really, really enjoyed the season and got a lot out of it. The message here is that you get out of it what you're willing to put into it. So what we're going to do this season is we've got, in Season 4, uh, a plan for you that is very heavy in game mechanics. Now, this mm. is something that we haven't done before. We've really been focused on driving roleplay through other things. We've driven roleplay through story. We've driven roleplay through random character generation using uh, mods. All right? Uh, last season... 
we were very much focused on kind of building a character from scratch with some random elements predetermined and then having you kind of experience your role play through narrative and character updates. This season, we're going to focus on a game mechanic and see how putting in place a very detailed and specific game mechanic, how that could drive role play. Okay, so that is the objective here. Um, we're going to reveal that in the second half of this podcast. But to start with, we need to go through kind of some of the main things associated with how to set this up. So I point out the origins blog post. This is a spot where you can always go back to to get the details. But if you want to follow along now, you'll get a sense for the structure here. So to start with, the one thing that we're going to need this season is we're going to need uh, the dual character traits, just like we did last season. However, this time, because we are so focused on game mechanics and frankly, uh, what we have devised and what we're putting in play for you is going to be fairly demanding. So we are going to allow you to select your own character traits. Hmm. Now, if you would like to, you may randomly generate those or you may select them from a list that we've got pre-prepared. Or you may just come up with them all by yourself. But generally, what we like to like to do is refer people to um, the, the character trait list. And that's why I, I direct you uh, to this blog post for Origins. Because it also contains a link there that will take you out to a, a Google Doc that contains the list. It's in spreadsheet format. So if you want to choose randomly using a random number generator, you can do that. Come up with a couple of different traits. Um, they can be kind of anything you like, but one thing I would suggest to you is that sometimes uh, the most interesting trait pairs are those that are kind of opposites from one another, mm -hmm. and you try to figure out how to reconcile that because people are complex. Uh, it, it is one way that you can do that. And again, these are things that can evolve over time, so you may select some traits at the start that um, you may change later on down the line. Characters evolve that's kind of what this is all about. So don't feel like you're roped into anything. These are just guidelines and ideas. So if you choose something randomly and you feel like it's not going to fit your story concepts based on what we reveal in the second half, you can always change it. So basically, we're leaving that wide open for you to decide. You could also end up with something that maybe you could implement further down the line. It doesn't have to be something for right away. Right. So if you come up with a... a you know, a couple pairs and traits and all that stuff that you really like, but you're not sure how to put them in right away. Work them in as you as you work as you as you play. Yeah, that's a good so, point. Don't assume it all has you know, to start you, right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of you know, world's your oyster, right? Right. So if I go in there, Joe, and I randomly determine that uh, my two character traits are going to be um, angelic Samaritan and douchebag, <laughs> I could implement those. At any time. I mean, I could start as the angelic Samaritan and transform into a douchebag or vice versa. That is correct. I could save my douchebaggery for, say, level 15. Right. Or something beyond or that. Or your douchebaggery could be something very specific. Oh. Like only when you're interacting with a maybe particular group of people. Right. Maybe yeah. you're just a douchebag to elves. That could be. Or wolves. Yeah. Or maybe there's or an event wolves. that elves takes place. Only to vampires. During the course of a side quest that turns me into a douchebag. Right. Maybe right. I don't have douchebag tendencies at the start. <laughs> but after you eat people, you become a douchebag. Exactly. <laughs> so. Which is the very definition of douche. I mean, eating people, come on. That's, so douchey. 
That's a real douchey thing. Is, to do. is there anything <laughs> really like is. when you, like when you cure vampirism? Can you cure douchebaggery? Uh-huh. Ooh, I think it's uh, harder though. Wolf Isa is asking if we took care of the duplicate traits. Did you do that? No. Did you do that? No. I didn't. No. So no. Uh, it's possible no. that if you no. use our list, you could get duplicate traits. So enjoy. Yeah, you could be douchebag douchebag, <laughs> or you could be angel angel, or you could be stubborn stubborn. But technically, that could be possible. Right? Yeah. What if you were stubborn on, and got more stubborn? Yeah. On your better days, you're a douchebag, and it gets worse on the bad days. <laughs> <laughs> Full moon. Right. <laughs> yeah. When you're sober, it gets worse. <laughs> There's not enough mead in the world to keep yeah. this away. If you're asking us to actually maintain all of these materials that we're providing you. What? That I mean, come ridiculous. on. Case in point, it's not season yeah, three. Exactly. So Strudel says it best when she 3. says 1. double douche. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're doubling down on the double douche. Yeah. Sushi squared. Uh-huh. Double douche. <laughs> It'd be like yes, yes double douche. <laughs> Parenthetical douche. douche. Oh, oh. <laughs> now we're looping seasons together. Uh, oh. <laughs> all right. So the deal is that you get to pick. All right. It doesn't matter how you do it. You can pick these out of thin air based on a concept you already have in your head. Or if you want, you can use our list and see what that comes up with. And you can trash it if you don't like it. Whatever. It's fine with us. You can re-roll as many times as you need. Exactly. Or if you don't like it, then re-roll. Yeah. Roll five times and take the best two. Yep. Yeah. Come up up with something creative, you know. Um, So all of this, however, pertains to the circles of character conflict. You're going to try to... You're going to try to flesh this out using the circles. Um, Again, using the circles is optional, but we have found that it's a really excellent tool for helping to define your character by trying to view your characters through the eyes of other people, uh, essentially, is what that does. So if you go to uh, the episode one blog post, you'll see a diagram there that outlines the circles of character conflict. And um, we're going to go over these. Um, I will take the center circle, Joe will take the the middle circle, and Matt will take the outside <laughs> the <outer> circle. circle. <laughs> what do you say? Was that good? Okay. <laughs> yeah. We rehearsed this all ahead, so we these totally guys are didn't. ready to go. Okay, so the inner circle is about uh, personal conflict. What is the personal conflict or conflict with self that your character has? What are the inner demons? What are the things that drive them? And when we talk about this, the level of detail we're really discussing is something along the lines of trying to boil down what it is that causes a character to act the way that they do. And for me, sometimes this is hard for me to do, and I have to, I I think I've made a decision on this, and then I take a second look at it, and then I dive a little bit deeper. So... There are times when you could say something like, okay, the personal conflict is that this person is basically starving for to be loved. Well, where does that come from, though? If we dig a layer deeper, what is it that causes them to be this way? Why are they starved for love, right? Well, now you can start digging into their past a little bit and say, okay, is affection something that was, um, that, that they were not given access to, I guess, as a child. They were not exposed to, they were not allowed to have, right? Because of upbringing or environment or, uh, you know, family relationships or, you know, things like that, right? 
So my challenge to you would be consider what this is, but then dig a little deeper to find out what is what is the cause, because in essence, that's what the real inner demon is. Um, this striving for love or looking for uh, acceptance is a symptom of a deeper problem, right? So that would be the one thing I would say about the, the inner demon, right, is to uh, start with something that you think might be a symptom and then work your way down and try and figure out what what's the causal relationship between that that symptom and the real thing at play. And you can think about your two traits while you're doing this as well. So if you do have a trait that is, you know, something like douchebag, well, <laughs> douchebag is a symptom of an inner demon. When, when they're being that way, when they're being nasty to people, oh, is it? what is that a symptom of? Okay, it's driven by something. Uh, it's a desire to be better than everyone else. Well, why would they feel that way? Are they super insecure? Do they have imposter syndrome? Well, where does that come from? Keep digging deeper until you get to the root cause. All right. <clears throat> so that's what I would say about personal conflict, the inner circle. Uh, the next circle is interpersonal conflict. Joe, would you like to elaborate on that? Sure. So to kind of play off of that, uh, what you were just talking about with the personal, uh, I guess you could look at the interpersonal as that symptom itself. So if you have personal as being the root cause, interpersonal is kind of the outward showing or, you know, the manifestation. Yes, that'll work of that, that conflict that's going on within you. So really how does that affect the people around you? And interpersonal, I guess is really more, the people that are closest to you. It's not necessarily, you know, random person on the street, but the, your close loved ones, for lack of a better term, okay. uh, whether it's, you know, close family ties or close friends, uh, how does your demons affect them mm -hmm. and your relationship with them? Okay. So that's kind of where we're at with the interpersonal. Okay, so... If, if my character is, is struggling with not feeling like they're good enough, that turns into this sort of imposter syndrome. They might act that out against loved ones and friends by always trying to one-up everybody, always trying to be better, always uh, maybe it, it, Possibly, sh sure. it shows itself as jealousy, right. things like that. Um, yeah, or okay. in the case of like your first example of... You know, not feeling loved or whatever, maybe that manifests itself as being clingy or, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, or opposite being really distant because they're afraid or they don't know how. Okay. So it's, it's really your interaction, your character's interaction with the people that are closest to them. Okay. Makes perfect sense. That brings us to the third circle, Matt. We are talking about societal Society. conflict, yes. right? Yes. So take Macro. all so take all of the personal and interpersonal conflicts that you have and blow it up to everybody who you might interact with in an area. Uh, White Helm, you know, White Helm, Rift Time, whatever, uh, <laughs> and think about the reasons why there might be conflict or opportunity for resolution of that conflict oh, there as well. Yeah. That's one of the things that, as watching through some of the uh, gameplay, just from you guys too, is as you get through uh, areas and you actually resolve something, some of those inner 
societal conflicts actually work themselves out uh, over time too. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you're trying to avoid anywhere where there are Nords or anywhere where there might be Argonians or something like that because of a you know bad interclan issue, right? It isn't just oh, yeah. about you. Perhaps it's about uh, your ancestors had something wrong with another group of ancestors, or you just don't like right. the smell of them Nords or something. Well, yeah, it, it could very well stem off of some kind of bias. Mm -hmm. For sure. Absolutely. They get to live, you know, in, in the nicer part of Skyrim, we get stuck living up here on the cold mountain or, right. or whatever. Right. Um, to me, this is going to throw way back Dr. Seuss and the Sneetches. Right? Hell yeah. They Star belly. stars upon theirs, right? So... That was kind of the embodiment of that conflict sure, that I understood sure. as a kid because it was sort of a choice. They all wanted to be like the others or they didn't want to be like the others. Now we get to do that in Skyrim, right? Look at who you want to associate with, who you don't want to associate with, and figure out why. Right. I still think that there needs to be an opportunity to resolve some of that conflict. In some ways, that mm -hmm. conflict is resolved by killing everything around you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in other cases, way. maybe you've got a chance to sort of rectify, you know, stitch yeah. back together some right. rifts yeah uh, things like that but it it isn't just about you it's about projecting a lot of that conflict on society at large that's a really great analogy or or comparison it is with the uh, star belly sneeches <laughs> i mean it really is uh -huh. <laughs> if you haven't read it it's you know it's dr seuss it'll take you about 10 minutes uh, um, at, <laughs> at most yes yeah. but it's 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 it really is because you got the us versus them and then the roles reverse yep and now we're like them, but now we want to be back like we were. And then at some point it becomes so mixed up, no one knows who's whom. So, and then they resolve it and they're just all sneeches. And then they're all That's just right. sneeches. So, and this is a multifaceted thing too. Absolutely. Um, your, your conflict with society could be like Matt is saying with uh, a racial group. It could be with another tribe. It could be with another family. Mm -hmm. It could be, uh, pushing back against um, authority. It could be defying government and law. It could be all kinds of different things. So Darn I would think minstrels. I would think the best <laughs> thing to do here is to think of, take take an approach that you're going to try to define this trait with your character as a multifaceted thing mm -hmm. and say, how does my character relate to you know to um, to government? How, how does this person relate to authority? How does this person relate to, uh, you know, the people next door? And it could be as, Stuff like as that. finite, or not finite, but as granular as certain types of authority. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it really is kind of up to you and to build that. I mean, if you're looking for inspiration, look at the world around you. I mean. Mm -hmm. And you'll typically <laughs> find the way that those interpersonal, uh, intrapersonal and societal conflicts really start to bear themselves out in behavior, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it really comes down to a psychological profile kind of a piece. But yep. it is interesting because if you can start answering those questions about, you know, where all the anger comes from, for example, you can actually ultimately bring that back to that personal level, you know, where are the internal conflicts happening. And of course, we're projecting that on the gameplay now, which is yeah. why I think that some of the uh, random trait choice makes it easy to get out of our comfort zone. Oh, I always want to, you know, play the guy who does this, you right. know, but no, I'm going to get thrown way out and I've got an anarchist, uh, who also happens to, you know, fall in love with everyone else's enemy and whatever, yeah. you know, make well, it hard. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, there, there are reasons that we each migrate towards a certain type of character or style 
Uh, one is just because we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I think this still works with that. You don't have to go outside of that realm very too, you know, too far and still be able to apply these concepts right. and get yep. an enjoyable and unique experience. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, what we're looking to do with this is for those of you who are, who participate in this, uh, we feel really good about a season of Unbound if we see people having experiences in Skyrim they've never had before mm-hmm. um, and, and having a lot of fun with it. That's the whole point, right, is to it, it, it helps to force you outside your comfort zone and to maybe do something with a character as an experiment, understanding it's temporary, uh, to try something different. Maybe you'll hate it, but maybe you'll love it. You know, you never know. And that's it may change we, the way that you play. It is good so, to struggle just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with a struggle. Uh, there is an episode where you talk all about the struggle. <gasps> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So... That is what we're going to do for character setup, ladies and gentlemen. That's a review of the Circles of Character Conflict. And then you're going to pick two traits. Again, you have on this blog post for the Origins Episode 1 a list that you can use as reference to generate some ideas. Or you can just pick them out of thin air, whatever you prefer. All right. So now we're going to move on to story setup. So, in the same way that we gave you ultimate flexibility with your character traits. Ultimate. Ultimate. <laughs> we are going to give you ultimate flexibility with your plot. Both I you primary were going to take and it secondary. Mm, ultimate flexibility. So. So flexible. Skyrim yes. contortionism. Now, just like before, we also have a resource for you here. If you'd what? like to try some randomly generated plots, we have a list out there of about 95 or so different plot ideas. Some of them really funky. Really <laughs> out there. But all really interesting. Yeah. I haven't read them in a while. I yeah. There are some good ones I'm out gonna there. I'm going to look at the blog and take a look. But what you want to do is you need you need to come up with some ideas around plot, right? Now, again, the way that we handle this is what we prefer to do is uh, we prefer to uh, kind of come up with a starting point and some ideas about a ending point, all right? But that's really only for the purposes of kind of understanding our rough story arc. And then we play within that framework and we see what the game presents us with and we you know, move accordingly. The goal here is to be immersed in your character, to understand your character so well that you can respond to things going on in game and you can just let the story flow where it's going to flow. But sometimes it is very, very helpful to have some ideas about plot and subplot going in because it can help you stay focused. And in those occasions where you find yourself wandering around aimlessly and you feel like the game is starting to become unsatisfying because it doesn't feel directed, having some ideas around plot, primary and secondary, can help you get through that. It can help to uh, shore up your direction. It gives you some vision. It gives you you a goal. Yeah, it helps you find focus. So that's what this is all about. So we ask you to come up with your own primary and secondary plot. You can do that however you like. Again, you'll find a link to our list on the main page. Now, in addition to that, uh, we also have a diagram there 
that's focused on story structure. And this is helpful in two ways. First, it kind of helps you think about the overall arc of your story and how it might be segmented. But this also is an interesting um, uh, visualization to look at when you're starting to think about ideas around value pairs. We're going to cover value pairs here uh, in a moment, but first let's talk a little bit about story structure. The only reason that we're providing this tool is because it's a handy reference when thinking about the progression of your story. In the last season, we talked a lot about this idea of, of kind of viewing the framework of a story as something like a three-act play, right? Where... Uh, you know, in act one, you've got kind of the, the coming of age, perhaps, or the growing to hero status. In the middle, you've got lots of conflict and additional growth. And in part three, you've got climax. Really, the, the idea here is it's a very, very loose structure. But sometimes having this in the back of your mind as you're playing will help you to identify when momentous things happen in game that are worthy of consideration when it comes to significant changes in the way that your character functions, uh, in your character's personality, things of that nature. So really what this is, is, is not so much a tool as it is a subtle reminder that by thinking of your story in terms of segments, it kind of puts you in a position where every once in a while after a major event, you can sit back and say, okay, was this significant enough in my character's life that it would change the way he he interacts with the world fundamentally or, or not? Is it temporary, mm -hmm. right? And that gets us into this idea of value pairs. Um, so it, it's a, it sets the stage for value pairs. And basically... I'll give you an example of what we consider to be value pairs. And again, this is just a tool to help you think about what's going on with your character as it's happening. Okay? So, value pairs are the instances where your character's mood changes from positive to negative based on the situations that they're in. Okay? These can be major value pairs, but I think what's more important are the minor value pairs that are happening all the time in what would normally be kind of insignificant situations, um, less significant than, say, completion of a, of a major quest line. Usually completion of a major quest line I would consider to be something on par with maybe an act, mm -hmm. you know? But when you get down to that level where your character is making a crawl through a dungeon then you can kind of break it down to the atomic level. Now, again, this is just an exercise to help you think about these things. Uh, if you start to exercise this muscle a little bit, flex this muscle, the easier it will get for you to, to make sure that you're gaming with intent uh, when your character is concerned going forward, as opposed to just breezing through a dungeon, coming out the other side and saying, okay, what just happened? Was there anything significant there? Um, Oh, this I is a, make something up. I know. This is a way for you to kind of think about it as you go, right? So maybe you come in. The first thing you do is you see a Draugr, and you kill that Draugr with a single arrow to the back of the neck from stealth. Boom. That's positive. Your character's feeling very confident, right? And you go into the next room and suddenly find yourself unexpectedly ambushed by three Draugr all at once. Now, you may barely make it out of that scrape, and it ain't going to look pretty doing it. You're going to be hacking and slashing and running around like a maniac with your hair on fire, but you survive it. Panicked even. Panicked. 
I want the hair on fire mod. Panicked. Yeah. <laughs> hair on fire Basically, mod. what that is, is is that's a downturn, right? That's a value pair where we've gone from feeling confident to feeling either foolish or less confident. Is this a zero-sum game? Uh, what do you mean by that, Matt? Elaborate. Are all of our positive moments going to be counterbalanced by negative ones, or do we find that there will be one will win out? Will there always yeah. be a benefit to the positive, right? At the atomic level, perhaps. Like when you get down to that, that minute level, if you think about the experience you have when you're going through Mirak's shrine, it's one of these deals, right, where you're vacillating back and forth. You know, uh, you're having success. You're you're having some challenges. You're going back and forth. Some challenges, right? he says. But <laughs> dying over and yeah. over and over. Yes. You may get you go through that, right? You get through it. You get through it, right? Um, and really, what it is is it's it's fighting. It's nothing like. He, super crazy. The one thing that our characters are supposed to be are heroes. They're supposed to be able to fight confidently. Um, not always successfully, but... <laughs> but confidently nonetheless. They, they are supposed to be <laughs> uh, open to the idea of combat, generally speaking. Sometimes you play a pacifist character as someone who sneaks through everything. It is difficult um, to get through the game that option. way, but yes. So I would consider those to be fairly minor value pairs. But when you get to the end of that quest and you're presented with a black book and you read the black book and it sucks you into, into Apocrypha, that is, a, that is a huge, huge change. Yeah. So we're, when, we, when we get sucked into Apocrypha, that's a major value pair, right? Now we're starting, we've been sucked into another dimension that's dominated by a god who hates our guts, uh, depending yeah. on what we've decided to do, right? <laughs> Um, and, and that, that is suddenly we, we've heightened the intensity, we've heightened the fear, we've heightened all these things that would be something that would change a character in some way. Right? So the key is to think about value pairs so that when all of that experience is taking place and when it's over, we can take into consideration how that could have changed our character's personality. Now it may not change our character's personality every time. But if we have a continuation of these things, it's kind of like a PTSD type effect, right? Where over the course of time, uh, the character is going to have some kind of reaction. Either it's hypersensitivity to this kind of stuff where they freak out, or maybe it's a kind of a deadening of the senses about that, right? Where yeah. they become very dark yeah. and grim. Um, those are the things we're trying to think about. And there is opportunity for value pairs in every single encounter that we have in Skyrim. Think about the simple act of your character walking down the road and then being randomly attacked by an assassin, right? It happens all the time in Skyrim, but... <laughs> what the fuck? I know. <laughs> Leave me alone. We, we expect to be attacked by bandits and our characters are prepared to defend themselves with armor and magic and weapons and experience and all these things, right? I was just out for a walk. But how does that change... If suddenly you're attacked by someone who's carrying a letter that very clearly indicates they were instructed to come and attack you right. and that you are going to die at all costs, right? That's a very different experience than dealing with a random brigand, right? Okay? So just things to think about. Let's be fair, though. It's awesome to say random brigand. It is. I love random brigands. Well, brigand in and of itself is... Right, but, yeah. but it's a random, really good word. It is. Right. It is. But a random brigand. But man. see, now you could you could have yeah. that as actually one of your character plots. 
right random brigand. All right. So <laughs> good. That good. is what if all the assassins really uh, aren't. <laughs> that's basically what you need to know about this stage. Okay. So in review, what you're going to do is you're going to select for yourself two character traits. Okay, you can select these yourself or use the list we provide. And then you're going to select your own plot and subplot. And remember that we have a, a list for that as well. If you want to generate them randomly or use our list as a way to come up with some ideas, you can do that. They are extensive options. They are extensive. And we always have this blog post available for you to come back and reference <clears throat> this stuff anytime you want. Okay? Yep. Anytime you want, come back and check it again. Okay, so if you come to a point in your story where you feel like you are at a momentous moment and you think that there should be another character trait change, you can come back to this list anytime you want. You can come back to this list every 10 levels and try something else. It just depends on, you know, how your story is taking shape. All right. That makes sense. You guys have anything to add on that? Are we do we miss <clears throat> anything? No, clear as mud. Okay, cool. I think it's kind of helpful to, to resolve some of the conflict before just choosing another one. I, I was ready to give up just on a couple mm -hmm. of the value pairs because it was maybe easier to not work through it. And then I just decided that I was going to try to muscle through, yeah. right? And so to me, I love having the random option of just going picking something else from the list because at the point where I'm frustrated, I don't want to have to create a new one. So well, yeah. thank you for having a list, gentlemen. And if, if a trait is going to go away, it has to go away for a reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, there has to be a reason why it's going away. Uh, maybe it's just being overshadowed by a stronger emotion, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe it's taking an existing trait and intensifying it, you know, or something like that. So it's the guilt um, about someone taking my sweet roll. Correct. Maybe that's what it starts with. <laughs> Maybe could you be, stole someone's a, sweet roll. Could be and a trigger. <laughs> That's the trigger. Right? Oh, did someone take your sweet roll? <laughs> right? Now imagine what happens. If you're the thief who feels guilty about stealing a sweet roll, yep, and yep. now suddenly, you know, you steal the old lady's medication right. and she dies. <laughs> yeah. That's an intensifying of the same emotion. Yes, it is. I hadn't thought about that. That's very yeah, true. Exactly. So anyway, uh, food for thought. So... The other thing that we have to talk about, Joe, is um, our discussion about uh, our approach to this season's homework. So we are not going to do required homework this time, but for those of you who are paying attention, there is a submission form. What does this mean, Joe? What are our expectations <coughs> of for not our doing homework? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if last season was any indication... Uh, we would expect that there would be a plethora of submissions and mm -hmm. questions and items of which we can draw upon to stimulate and further discussion. He said it. What he said. I'm um, pretty sure he said your homework is our stimulation. And that's not yes. right. Yeah, we get off on your homework. <laughs> that's right. Now, at the That's end at. of season three, we did a retro and we specifically said, what are you guys feeling about homework? And the overwhelming majority of people said, too much, too much. And we said, if we said there was no homework, but we asked that our episodes be driven by submissions by you, questions, discussion points, ideas, <clears throat> character updates, anything like that, would you do it? And it was a resounding yes. Yes, yes of course we will. <laughs> but no pressure. Okay. So that's what we're going to require of you guys this time, okay? Um, 
We are still not secretly judging anything that you submit. Exactly. But here's the deal. Uh, if you submit if you submit discussion items based on your experiences, and I have a feeling, Joe, that this concept is going to generate a shit ton of questions, discussion, uh, uh, angst. angst. Early, early on, perhaps, Anger. for sure. Rage. But. Okay. Um, <laughs> you fuckers. You know, if you're feeling that, we want to hear it. We want to hear it. So that's what the submission uh, form is for. And I have a feeling my gonna phone is going to blow up with notifications uh-huh. of form submissions. That's now. right. That's our, well, okay. that'd be good. So here's the thing. Uh, in the last season, we gave away a free T-shirt to one lucky person who s- submitted homework. We are going to be doing the same thing this season for any submission. So if you submit a question, idea, character update, discussion point, Anything you want to, to that form, you will be in the drawing for the t-shirt, okay? We will also be giving away a t-shirt uh, from Lost Barrel Brewing, a Draugr Lager t-shirt uh, to a lucky winner. So we we gave away two t-shirts. Uh, mm-hmm. It was uh, Karn114. Correct. And EJ, who got yeah. the t-shirts. Correct. If you go out to Discord, I think you're going to see some lovely photos of those two people out there somewhere wearing professional fancy t-shirts. Ooh. photography. Gorgeous. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you want to check that out. But if you if you homework, this this is not really homework. It we're asking you to contribute ideas that we can discuss here related right. to your experiences. Really, it's it's nothing you probably weren't already prepared to do. <laughs> going through in your mind anyway, as far as yeah. you know, as as your play. Just basically give us feedback on what's going on in your game that and then we're gonna take that and we're gonna spin on it and riff and yeah uh just go on yeah. random tangents and random tangents as yeah. usual as usual <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, not, it's really not taking, much of a departure from the norm no it's it's kind of a, a spin-off of the homework that we had last season where you know there was more of a formal here's kind of the storyline of my character well now we're just going to ask you to just condense it a bit and throw it out as a talking point. What did, what, what one or two major things happened that, uh, we can, we can all yeah. discuss, you know, or, or what you're at a point and you're not sure what to do next. Mm-hmm. Throw that in there. Maybe, uh, you know, the collective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something with brain, but then it just like didn't sound right. But yeah. Yeah. N- Cliff in tweets. this group, brains is yeah, totally no, the, foreign. The collective crusade <laughs> can t- can uh, help uh, come up with some ideas to resolve uh, your sticking points. So absolutely, because we're excellent at solving other people's problems. <laughs> yes, we suck at our own, but we'll solve yours. Okay, Ooh, t-shirt. Right? Oh yeah. So I think the one thing that we can say is that we are super excited to reveal this to you guys. I would say I'm more excited about this season than I have been about the previous ones, only because it's a very different approach. And I think that this game mechanic is going to really be interesting to see how people deal with it. Yeah, yeah. What I I love the most about it. Is, is that we get to tell them after the break. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Speaking of which, it is now break time. So ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to do the season uh, reveal. It'll conclude. It'll basically include 
not a theme, but kind of an overall game mechanic that is going to drive what you do in Season 4. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Lost Barrel Brewing Company, maker of Draugr Lager and other middling quality spirits. Made with ancient ingredients of mysterious origin, Lost Barrel brews capture the taste of history in every bottle. Your taste buds will dance to the subtle flavors of iron, granite, charred siege engines, and petrified flesh. We are proud to offer listeners of Character Crusade Podcast this exciting exclusive offer. 1,000% off a keg of Draugr Lager when you go to lostbarrow.charactercrusade.com and enter the promo code DEADBEVERAGE. You have to be dead from the neck up not to take advantage of this offer. Draugr Lager, the great taste of the undead with no bitter afterlife. Looking for more great Skyrim stories and inspiration? If so, the creators of the Character Crusade podcast have channels you might like. Visit The Panicked Monk at tpm.charactercrusade.com and Couch Warrior TV at cwtv.charactercrusade.com for more amazing Skyrim and roleplay content. Looking to get the most out of your Unbound experience? Do your homework! We know what you're thinking. Homework? This is a game! It's supposed to be fun! Why the hell would I do homework? Studies have shown that every minute invested in recording your roleplay ideas and experiences equals 10 hours of mind-blowing amazeballs in-game memories. This is a proven scientific fact. But if the science is not enough to convince you we are giving away free character crusade loot to sweeten the deal if you submit at least one episode of unbound homework you will be entered into a drawing to win a free t-shirt from the character crusade shop at the end of the season the character crusade team will draw one lucky winner and send them the t-shirt of their choice from our extensive selection of custom gear to send your episode homework, go to unbound.charactercrusade.com and follow the submission instructions. You can also check out all the gear we have to offer at shop.charactercrusade.com. Actual scientific results may vary depending on availability in your area. If your Skyrim lasts more than 24 hours, consult your alchemist. Only one entry per person will be considered per season. All right, it's time. Back from break. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. It is time for us to talk about the season four game mechanic that will be driving our role play uh, in season four of Unbound. Uh, we, we alluded a little bit in the first half of this to the fact that it is going to be focused on a game mechanic as opposed to uh, story, as opposed to random elements, things like that. And it is a, a rather demanding game mechanic. That is why we are allowing you to choose everything else so that you can choose those things in such a way that you can make them fit uh, into the way that this works. So if you go to charactercrusade.com or you can go to unbound.charactercrusade.com, both of those pages have a link 
right on the homepage, you're going to find uh, a link that is labeled Unbound Season 4 Sacred Elements Game Rules. All right. Nice. Now, if you click on that, you're going to see a couple of things. One is going to be a table of ingredients and metals. And then you're going to see a series of play rules. All right. So, uh, Joe, would you like to give people the high level idea concept of, of what this is? Maybe a little background on how we came up with it. And then we'll kind of go through the deets. So if you want to follow along, just do that. Go, go, go get those links. All, All right. right. Really what this comes down to is your character is kind of attracted to a certain type of metal or ingot. Yes, and we're calling this the sacred metal. Mm. So your character will have an affinity towards that type of metal uh, as listed in that grid. On the flip side of that, your character will have a toxic reaction to all other types of metals hmm. or ingots. Guts. <laughs> Correct. Ingot. <clears throat> so that is the overarching. You will have a metal that you are have an affinity, and all other metals you will have a reaction, negative reaction. All right. So we're we're calling this sacred elements. So let's go through the rules. I will start at the top and I'm just going to read through the rules. Right now we've established 11 rules related to how this game mechanic is going to work. All right. Rule number one is the player will select a sacred ingot. All other metals will poison the character when handled. Rule number two, the player can wear or wield as much of their chosen element as they like without any adverse effects. So, if you choose as your sacred metal iron, you can wear all iron armor, you can use iron weapons, you can wield an iron sword, a shield, all that stuff without suffering any ill effects at all, okay? Rule number three, to wear or wield another type of metal armor or weapon, the player must consume one ingredient each day for each piece of armor or weapon that is equipped. Wow. Okay. That's that's actually an important fact um, point. Equipped. Equipped. So you may carry it. Yep. You may carry it without penalty in your okay. backpack. But if it's equipped, you're wearing it or it's on your hip or back or whatever, then it counts against you. Interesting. Okay. And that cool. brings us to the table of ingredients and ingots. What you see on the table is you see the ingredient that you are required to consume in order to protect yourself from the toxic effects of that metal. So if I choose iron as my sacred metal, but I find uh, a set of steel armor that I want to wear that is going to protect me better than the iron, I have to consume four units of blister wart every single day if I'm wearing helmet, gauntlets, Curus and boots. Basically wow. one blister wart for each piece. One blister wart for each item made of steel that I have equipped, and that includes shields and weapons. Wow. Correct. Okay. So it right. could be up to, what, six? It could be up to six if you're fully decked. Okay. That's a lot of blister wart. That's a All lot right. of blister wart. Now, rule number four. 
If you do not have the ingredient for the piece of gear, it cannot be used until you find the required ingredient. All right? So if, if you're wearing a steel helm, all right, and you've been eating blister wart and you run out of blister wart, that helm has to come off and it has to go in your bag until you find more blister wart. You either purchase it or you find it. Yeah, however okay? you get it, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So long as you do. Okay. Rule number five. The ingredient doses work for 24 hours. So if I eat that blister wart, I can wear that piece of armor for 24 hours without ill effects because the ingredient counteracts the toxic effects of the metal. Okay? Correct. Hmm. Rule number six. Resist magic enchantments will help to mitigate the effects of the toxic metals. For every 15% resist magic, the player can use one item of toxic metal. Now, those of us who've been playing Skyrim for a while know that that maxes out at 85%. You can't have more than 85% magic resistance. All right? So that maxes out at 85%, and I'm going to clarify that in the rules here. Okay. All right. It is possible to wear more than 85% of resist magic gear and bonuses and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. But anything over that doesn't count. 85 doesn't count. Okay. All right. When enchanting items, this is rule number seven. When enchanting items with resist magic, the item you are enchanting must be made of your chosen metal. All right. Now this gets into a calculation. <laughs> For those of you who are really interested in enchanting, you have to think about what are the metals that I can actually enchant. If you're going to be focused on rings, circlets, necklaces, you're going to be talking about precious metals. If it's going to be armor and you're going to try to get your bonus from that, then it's got to be your metal of choice, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're saying? Okay. And... Please remember, if you look at the list of available metals, silver is in there among those. Gold is not. You will notice that gold is not among the list of available metals, and there's a reason for that, and we'll be discussing that. Next, in rule number eight, gold poisoning affects all players equally. All players are poisoned by gold no matter what. Okay? Not just gold ingots. Gold septums. Gold. Gold. We're talking Ouch. gold. <clears throat> okay. Is there a copay for this? Rule number nine. There kind of is. Players must consume one snowberry for every 50 septums they spend with a minimum of one snowberry per transaction. So if you are going, you can carry septums, but as soon as you go to spend those septums, you're handling them and you're potentially poisoned. So for every 50 septum that you spend you have to consume one snowberry in order to counteract those effects so when you're going into a transaction with uh with a merchant and you're going to spend two hundred dollars to buy a gold necklace or a, an enchanted necklace or something like that you're going to have to spend you're going to have to eat four snowberries as you handle those yep. 200 gold pieces you want a room for the night that's at least one snowberry. So you have right. to have snowberries, too. You have to have snowberries to spend gold. So don't go buy, like, the Staff of Magnus for 1,700 <laughs> septums. Unless you really, <laughs> really have, have, a, have lot a lot of snowberries. snowberries. Right. Rule number 10. Players may collect items of toxic metal, but must consume the required ingredient when discarding, selling, or disenchanting the item. 
okay? So if, if you collect an item that is toxic to you, when you collect it and put it in your bag, that's fine. We're not gonna, we're not gonna bust you for that, but eventually you're gonna discard it or you're gonna sell it. When you touch it again to sell it, you're going to have to consume an item that will protect you from that, okay? Wow. And you're also going to have to consume some snowberries for the transaction for the gold you're getting back, okay? We're asking you to do a little record keeping this season, okay? <laughs> I guess that's your homework. <laughs> and the final rule that People we have... People are saying math, 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 diabolical evil. <laughs> the final rule, rule number 11, if the player chooses to upgrade, smelt, or to smelt an item of toxic metal, the required ingredient must also be consumed during the process. So if you're going to smith up and improve some armor or a weapon, obviously you're handling it and you're required to consume whatever that ingredient is to mitigate the toxic effects during that process. Okay? So those are the rules as we've got them laid out. Now we are happy to answer questions about this. If you take a look at the chart, you will see definitely which ingredients are associated with which metals. And you will also notice, if you look at those items, all of those items are also ingredients. They all have something in common in that they are all ingredients in Restore Health potions. Huh. Okay. Health or Restore Health. Yep. yep. I wouldn't They're all, know yep. that. Okay. Okay. Which basically means there are going to be no ill effects on you for eating those ingredients continually. But it also means that you're going to be depleting your supply of those ingredients if your intent is to make healing potions. Mm. So you have to be aware of that also. Yep. All right. So there's a cost to everything. Okay. I was just trying to keep as my a, collection uh, of swamp fungal pods. As a uh, DBA I used to work with once said, or has you know, often said, mm-hmm. there ain't no free lunch. <laughs> everything yeah. costs something. Like, All right. Like having to eat snowberries every time you need to spend money. So right. now, unofficially, I think we've dubbed this season also as Good Luck Snowberry. Yeah. Yeah. We've been calling it Good Luck Snowberry. Actually, um, that's another excellent t shirt. I know, right? <laughs> that, that is a good one. Good, good luck, luck, Snowberry. snowberry. <laughs> that's how you got to say it. Good luck, good luck snowberry. snowberry. All right. So, yes, there's going to be some math. But I think uh, over time, you're going to get used to this. I think here, here's the thing. <clears throat> this is kind of creating sort of an interesting, uh, almost like an underlying economy that sits down there below the normal uh, gold and silver economy, right? It's an economy that consists of ingredients. Uh, it, it's going to bring some scarcity to ingredients. It's going to mean that uh, you're going to have to go out and search for certain things. It also means that you're going to have to exercise... Um, some strategy when coming up with a way uh, to work around this. Uh, oh, oh, they're already coming up with ways to come around it. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. Good. There, there are a lot of people who will try different things, including uh, avoiding metal armor and, and, and all, all together. But ultimately, you're going to have to wield a weapon, and ultimately, you're going to have to think about these things. Uh, if you decide to wear an enchanted gold necklace and a gold ring, you're going to have to be consuming snowberries every day for that. Yes, Mr. Cerro, your kite and armor is looking better and better every day. Uh-huh. Yes. So as Joe said, there is no free lunch. Even if you try to go completely metal-free, there still is going to be a cost. So uh, think about that. And of course, it affects everyone in that even if I am 
uh, a character that doesn't wear metal, uh, I'm still going to be finding items in the world that I'm going to want to sell. Right. So uh, there Hoarders is... Hoarders beware. Can, yeah. can, can you kill a dragon with a wooden <clears throat> toy sword? Uh, you could certainly try. <laughs> you try. It would take a very, very long time. Like skinning a mammoth. Uh-huh. You can also try to shoot them down with stone arrows. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And it would be certainly very difficult, but... Or reekling spears. Yeah. Or reekling spears. Yep. So, yes, I mean, there there are ways to get around the elemental issue, but... Yeah. You are it's sacrificing a lot. Incredibly difficult to do. <clears throat> but that. as as you said earlier, Stu, that at some point you're going to need to make some coin because you're uh-huh. going to need to buy things. Exactly. Yeah. Even if it's just a room. Now, if you yeah. got the campfire mod, you can make your own camp. Great. Yeah. But you still need to make that tent. I don't think it's going to mm-hmm. last very long for people who just want to stay with hide and leather and mm-hmm. wood and stone. I mean, if you can do yeah. it, awesome. And that's the kind of thing that we want to hear yeah. about and talk about. Yep. So question has come up, um, how to account for leather hide fur. It's not metal, so it's not toxic. You can wear as much hide, leather, fur armor as you want to, mm-hmm. okay? So if you want to, uh, you could come into this at first level saying, I'm going to wear all leather armor and I'm going to make my sacred metal steel and you could get a steel sword, okay? Sure. And you'd be good to go. The problem is eventually you're going to get to 10th level, 12th level, and everybody you're encountering is going to be using Dwemer and or Calcum weapons, and you are going to be severely outmatched. So you need to figure out a way to get around that, right? You need to figure out a way to deal with that. And that might be at the point where you have an enormous horde of snowberries, and you're okay with that at that point, but... mm -hmm. Yeah. Joe and I Joe and I are fairly confident that we've created a system here by which you can you can make strategy, you can play into it, you can game the system for a while, but you can't game the system forever. Yep. Um and remember that the reason that we're doing this is because I think it's a kind of a fascinating story element. We're interested to see what right. you do with it in terms of story. Well, yeah. As story goes, um I would love to read in Discord uh what are some of the reasons why why you have this affinity mm-hmm. towards this chosen mm-hmm. metal? I mean, I think that's that's a really interesting part of, and it's more of a background part of this season, but I, I think it's an interesting part of it nonetheless. I'm yes. just thinking about what the what the max carry weight for eyes of saber cat might be like. <laughs> uh, Jaron Scotland has a question. Uh, does getting hit by a toxic metal hurt any more than just a normal sword blow? Mm. I think we've decided that it doesn't. Getting hit by a sword just hurts because it's a sword. (laughs) Um, If you decide to pick up that sword and carry it with you later, you're going to have to consume something in order to be able to do that. Right. I mean, there's there's certain restrictions just based on the the game itself that are nearly impossible to enforce. Right. I mean... Enforcing more damage because you get hit yeah, with an orc sword. Mm-hmm. Just there's no way to really yes enforce that. So we can't enforce that. Nathan's asking the same type of question with ordinator. Do you have to account for things like bear traps and trip wires? I don't know that there's a way that you could know what kind of a metal that no. was necessarily. No, we're not talking no. about we're not talking about when the weapons do damage. Okay, it's only now, really handling and distributing. Right. Dropping, etc. And to keep this manageable, we are focused on weapons, armor, and jewelry, which includes rings, necklaces, and circlets. If you have 
an ordinator perk that allows you to carry and deploy bear traps. We are not, we're not getting into that. We're not counting that. So you get a pass on that one. We're not going to go quite that granular. Right. It's too, that's too granular. It's too hard to manage. Okay. We don't want you constantly going through your inventory, trying to guess what shit's made out of. So weapons and apparel, not other accoutrements. Weapons, armor, apparel, jewelry. That's what you got to worry about. Okay. Okay. All right. Question. Looting a toxic a toxic item means eating an ingredient. No, we're actually no. giving you a pass on picking it up and putting it in your bag, but we're going to tax you. We're going to give you your poison tax when you sell it. Correct. Okay? We're going to give you your poison tax when you, you use drop it. it. So you can pick it up all you want to, but it's when you discard it, sell it, uh, or otherwise smelt it, get rid of it. Yep. Yeah. When you get rid of it, when you get rid of it or use it, that's when you pay the tax. And remember, it is one ingredient for 24 hours of use. Okay? Great. Uh, that was a really, really good question. So it would be an Thanks. advantage in going to sell Wind. stuff rather than just dropping it. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. So we, we've got some passes and we are here. We think this is manageable, right? I mean, the, the, mo- the highest number of items that you could have on yourself at any given time would be um, a weapon... Let's see, you're going to have four items of armor plus a shield plus a weapon plus a necklace plus a ring. The maximum number of items you should have to manage would be eight. Okay. Nine if you're dual. Nine if you're dual wielding. Yep. Joe's got a good point there. If you choose to use a circlet, that takes the place of a helmet. Yes. All right. So the maximum if you're a dual wielder would be nine items that you have to manage. Normally it would be eight. I don't think yep. too many people do a wheel, but well, actually, eight to no, nine. actually, you know, that's not right. No, it would be eight and eight, right? Because you're dropping the sword and picking you're, up the weapon. You're right? you're dropping the shield and picking up the weapon. Oh, correct, shield, yeah. right? Correct. So the maximum you should you should it be managing eight. is eight, and that that to me that seems really doable. And if you okay. feel that you can uh, gather the ingredients necessary to mitigate the harmful effects of higher powered metals and you want to mix and match anything that you wear or wield, have a hat. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Wolf Isa is asking the question, what is the ultimate penalty for gold poisoning? Like if you just don't take snowberries? That's a good question. Well, this is the honor system. So the ultimate penalty <clears throat> is you feel guilty about yourself. <laughs> I guess that's a, and, and you must express your guilt and shame, shame yes. publicly. No, yes. this is this is a role play element. So it's up to you to management manage it. There are no consequences. If you want to come up with some consequences on your own, you can do that. Yeah, and we'd be curious no, to but hear about no those. fast travel to the stockade at the top of the throat of the world. The the penalty here is the having to manage the ingredients. The ultimate penalty is that if you don't have enough snowberries, you can't make this transaction, right? right? That's the penalty. So this is all about honor system. So I would say that that your question is, you know, that shouldn't be a factor because if you're following the rules, it won't be a factor. Right. Uh, if you choose not to follow the rules and just say, I'm going to sell a whole bunch of stuff because you're frustrated, that's up to you. You can do that. That's fine. But this, again, this is just a framework, Right. Okay. What if you right. can only sell those things and buy snowberries in order to do it? Uh, 
boy. Does anybody then sell snowberries? I don't know. I'm I sure don't know. Do. I, I don't know if I've I ever come I never across paid attention. <laughs> no. Well, if they do, it's only a sprig at a time. So yeah, right. it's not many. Yeah. Uh, so another question here from Strudel. Uh, what about a mod with left hand rings, additional ring? Would that also count? I would say sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you're using that mod, yes. If Apparently. you're wearing two rings and it's made out of metal, unless you can find a ring made out of wood, you know? <laughs> we, well, I think we covered that in season one, actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, question. Is Daedric considered ebony or does the smithing with a Daedric heart nullify the effects? Oh, my gosh. These are the best questions ever. It, <laughs> it comes down to what ingredients do you need to either create or improve it. Do you need an ebony ingot to improve a Daedric item? You do. Then yes, it counts. Yeah, so Daedric is going to count as ebony. You're going to need the same ingredients when smithing that, okay? There's no counteracting. It's still a poison metal. You're just adding Daedric blood to it. If the uh, if the item in question does not need a toxic metal to your character to smith it, to enhance it in any way, mm-hmm. you're good. This is fantastic. They're already talking about Hunterborn and making their own bone rings and stuff. It's oh, awesome. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. But that and works. That's yeah, okay. It absolutely no, does. Hunterborn's a great mod for that kind yeah. of stuff. Campfire is a good mod for that yeah. kind Finally of stuff. Finally a use for the Scrimshaw. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, use the Scrimshaw. I use Scrimshaw quite a I bit. I love the Scrimshaw. It's fun. I mean, it's limited to a certain level, but it's it's really useful for a lot of yeah. different things. Absolutely. Let's say this is pushing people outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, well, this right? is the point, right? And this is where this is where you can start to drive role play through game mechanics. Now, this is an extreme example of that, but I have many examples of game mechanics that have driven role play for me in various playthroughs and stories that I'm telling on my YouTube channel. This is just an extreme example. So the idea here is is let's go through 12 weeks of this and see what you make of it. And my guess is if you can come through this and have a really good and interesting experience, you'll be able to put in um, you'll be able to put into your games even minor game mechanic changes and they will have much more impact on your game in the future. So mm-hmm. to me, this this I think should be really interesting. Okay. So hopefully uh, you're all following along on that page. Remember, you'll need to refer back to that page often if you have any questions. But to start with, you need to think about what is what is your story? Who is your character? What is your strategy going to be for your sacred metal? And if you can, think about not just what you're going to pick strategically so that you can play the game at low, mid, or high level, but think about that how that folds into your story. You know, think about what that means. And also, see now there here's the the personal thing with your character is that maybe your character has some kind of aversion to orichalcum, you know, right? Uh, in all these different metals, but is okay with steel. That's your particular thing, but now also think about this lar- the larger macro concept of the fact that um gold is also an element that that is an issue for you. What does that mean? Where does that come from? Okay, so just uh, I, I think the the focus is um, the suggestion I'm making is that don't just use it purely as a game mechanic. That's some drudgery 
that you have to go through for the purposes of season four. Figure out how to build it into your story and make it meaningful. And I guarantee you, your playthrough will be a whole lot more rewarding if you do that. Mm -hmm. We may okay. have to hang on to some of these questions for later podcasts, too. Yes. <laughs> okay. Nathan Hicks asks a question Can you stack ingredient consumption? For example, if you are wielding a sword and you consume two of the required ingredients, are you safe for 48 hours? I'm fine with that. If you have if you have the ingredients, sure. It's really up to you to 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 keep track. You got to keep track, you know, yeah. It's kind of like a, a a buff if you drink a lot of potions, you know, or, something. potions or something where mm -hmm. it brings you above your normal limit. Yeah. Is there any anything in any of the mods that allows you to show what you've consumed? Stuff mm. stuff I've eaten. I'm not right? aware of no, that. Not no, not that I know of. Yeah, I was just wondering because that would be kind so, of interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, other sort of stats, right? You so know, yeah, if you, if you happen to uh, come across, you know, you're going past. Um, oh, what's the end by the Alfton uh, lift? Night oh, gate. Night gate. Yeah. If you're going past the night gate and you're going to go past a whole shit ton of uh, snowberry bushes, mm. and you gather like Stock a up. thousand of them, you want to eat them all? I guess keep track of how long that's going to take. Three you years. Through. Woo! <laughs> mm -hmm. All but right. It's, it's it's really up to you to to maintain. But sure, let them stack. Uh, the wind asks a question. Um, Bosmer and Green Pact thoughts. I don't even know what that is. Well, the Green Pact is um, they eat only meat. Uh, pe people who are Green Pactors eat only meat. They don't consume plants. They're kind of like anti-vegetarians, oh, okay. basically. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. I, I would say I I'll leave that up to you. you you got to interpret that however you think is best. Um, so... Yeah, if you end up playing a Bosmer and you're determined to be a green packed Bosmer, well, you're you're in a pretty narrow niche there. So I think that gives you plenty of opportunity to be creative. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to impose rules on very particular play styles. Um, I think we're just purely focusing on the game mechanic and then letting you guys work within that box to see what kind of creative magic you can you can perform inside there. So I would say find your own resolution to that, um, and you know. Whatever your role play dictates is fine. And we're solving yeah. part of the problem by eating the replacement cheese shreds here. Right. Correct. Solve that green packed problem right there. <clears throat> style shreds. Oh, no, that's right. Style, style shreds. Sorry. Style Jeez, shreds. Get it right. Cheese style. God. <laughs> Gosh. All right. <laughs> so that is basically it, folks. Um, this is kind of your, your opportunity to ask questions. And I think one of the things that we'll also be curious about is how you choose to go about keeping track of what you're doing. I think mm -hmm. over time, it's going to become second nature. And I think what I like about this is, is it allows you to get into some interesting details that you might not normally experiment with. Like you have to plan certain things ahead. Mm -hmm. If you know you're going to go and visit the merchants and you're going to sell some stuff, you have to know a little bit more about what you're planning to sell and what you've got to have on hand in order to do it. It brings in some interesting elements of um, managing your inventory and capacity because you could put off for a very, very long time selling things because it's a pain in the butt, but eventually you're going to be encumbered and you're going to have to take some action. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting, I right. think. Um, it, it also plays into, I think other factors, uh, 
exploration. You're probably going to spend a lot of time exploring Skyrim in, in ways that maybe you haven't before, searching out ingredients, traveling to specific regions of the province because you know that they're rich in particular ingredients you really want. I think that is, it plays into the whole concept right. we talk about of traveling <clears throat> with intent. All right? Right, right. So I think that's pretty fascinating. So think about it in those terms. I mean, it, it really should be driving role play. Is this really a discussion about budgeting? It kind of is. Can metal in invulnerability change through playthrough? For example, can I role play a Daedric Lord switching my chosen safe metal? I would say that's a role play consideration, but when you're doing that, please take into consideration the spirit of the exercise. So he's trying to find a way to say yes without saying if, no if, right if away. You're, well, I mean, if you're trotting along just using using this as a rationale for you to change things whenever you feel like it, and it's not based on anything that has to do with your story mm -hmm. that you're trying to tell, that seems frivolous. If you can if you can do it without it being frivolous, that's fine. Here's <clears throat> one way that you could do that that would be kind of interesting with um <clears throat> oh who is it? Uh the the mad daedric. Sanguine? Sanguine. Mm-hmm. So perhaps Sanguine is somehow involved in your story. Go ahead and tally up all of those different um, metals and periodically or at a given point, roll randomly and switch them up. Mm -hmm. That would be one way to do it. Because Sanguine has somehow interfered with your routine. Hmm. So now you got a whole right. set of complications to deal with because now all the, the stuff that you have just geared up and prepped for is now all out the window. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. So you that's could probably one, one take on that that danger influence. Yeah. But still keeps the spirit of it because you aren't the one picking and choosing. Yeah, you're kind of taking it out of your own hands. Now, we're not saying that this is an official rule we're going to put in. What we're saying is this is a way that you could handle a situation like that that I think would fit into the spirit of the exercise. Right. That's a good point. And you could apply that same thing to, say, Clavicus Vile. Oh, for sure. Uh, Shigarath. Oh, Shigarath, for sure. Yeah, all the... All, all the Daedra like to screw with you. That's, I mean, that's what they're <laughs> Those all Those ones about. in particular, but they all yeah, do. They all do. Let's face it. They all do. So if you want to add some element of surprise there, I would say we would leave that up to you. If you want to change, go ahead, but find a creative and clever way to do it that kind of fits with your story. Right. Yeah. And, that's and, and realize that in changing it, you are swapping and you are really affecting everything. All, all the things that you've accomplished and prepared for up to that point. Right. Mm -hmm. And that can come into the value pair system where something happens that changes the character. If you can't eat an ingredient but have to discard because of weight constraints, what kind of penalty do you employ? The Ooh. penalty is that you cannot discard the item. And you have to walk slow. You are flat out encumbered and you have to find something else to get rid of. You got to dump food. You got to dump potions, whatever. You, If you don't have the ingredient, you cannot discard the item. 
everyone is cursing you right now. So you will be, yeah, I mean, that that's the penalty. Insta-death. That's the penalty. You are encumbered. So you got to find something else to get rid Which of. Which means but in theory, you need to loot with intent. Loot with intent. <laughs> yeah. Loot yeah. with intent. You would think that in general you would be less likely to be encumbered with this mechanic than you otherwise might be because you're chances not are going, you're going to be encumbered with ingredients right and that's what i mean you might be encumbered with ingredients but you're not going to be encumbered with you know a lot of iron swords Items. right right so right. which yeah. add up fairly quickly yeah. but you know, that was my yeah. question about and ingredients eyes, right? yeah can come sneak up on you really quick i don't know how many times i've unloaded all my ingredients and all of a sudden i'm like a quarter of the weight. I'm like, really? I I mean, think I mentioned this to you in last season that I found out how quickly you can do that because I ate a lot of my ingredients and was really, really sick for a long time because yeah. if you just start eating happen. everything at random, you're like, oh, look, I can. Yeah. At low level, you can kill yourself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you, have learned, <laughs> you have learned what this means. I've done that. <laughs> okay. We have more questions. Okay. Okay, if you are doing a straight trade of inventory items to a vendor for other items, do you also count the gold value for snowberries or maybe one snowberry per item? So the tax, let's figure this out. It's a good question. Mm -hmm. It's a good question. So you are basically going to be taking in, you're going to be paying a gold tax on the value of whatever of it is trade. that you make on the value of the trade. Okay. So that, that's what we're going to, that's what we're saying here. So if you want to purchase a $200, 200 septum steel sword, and you're making up part of that cost by selling a 50 septum iron sword, all right, you are still purchasing an item worth 200 septums. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about here is the purchase price, okay? Four it's, snowberries. It's too difficult to track how many septums are trading hands. It's, it's gonna be based on the amount you are paying for the purchase straight up, whether it's gold or in trade or whatever it is, that is the amount you're going to pay the tax on. Okay, so in that particular example, even though you're 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 gaining fifty septums in trade for the iron sword, ultimately what you're doing is you're making a two hundred septum transaction. So you're going to have to eat four snowberries in order to complete that transaction. Yeah. Okay, let's do it that way to keep it simple. I don't want to get into lots of minutia that is going to discourage people from shopping. Okay, we need to keep it as simple as we can. And we're not going to be coming back and asking how many snowberries you ate and how many right. septums you traded. Right. It, right. Just is a, it just is a way to shake things up a bit. Right. So if you're making a purchase that is worth 1,700 septums, okay, you're going to take that 1,700, you're going to divide it by 50 and eat that number of snowberries to complete the transaction. Okay? All right. So... Uh, here's a really good question. If you give items to a follower, do you eat the ingredients? Yes. If you, if you get rid of an item by throwing it away, selling it, destroying it through enchanting, 
destroying it through smelting, putting it in a chest, sticking it on a dead body, giving it to a follower. Sticking it in a barrel. When it leaves your inventory, that is when you pay the tax. So you eat the ingredient. Make sense? All right. Anytime you get rid of it. When it leaves you. Yes. <laughs> when it leaves you, one way or another, it's going to leave your possession. And so the the idea here is that when it leaves your possession, that is how we're kind of simulating the idea that you have to handle the item. You have to pick the item up and give it to someone. And it's the act of picking up that toxic item and handing it off to a, to someone else or smelting it or selling it that you're, you're paying the tax on. What happens if I am arrested doing something I wasn't supposed to and all of those stolen items are taken from me by a guard? Well, there's no way to track that. Because <laughs> sometimes we have a shit ton. That's, I mean, it's a really good question. Sometimes you're, I mean, very rarely do, are we keeping close track of the items in our inventory that are stolen. Right. So I guess you get a free pass on that. <laughs> or you just eat the rest of the yeah. snowberries for your stupidity, yeah. right? Yeah. Will arrows count towards the toxic metal applications? Uh, if steel is toxic to you, uh, do you have to take a hit for every arrow shot? Um, we're going to say no. This isn't going to apply to arrows. Okay? It will apply to the bow. If you're using an ebony bow, then you got to pay the ebony tax. But if you're using ebony arrows, we're not going to charge you for arrows. Mm -hmm. Okay? We're not going to charge you for arrows. And if you're using a mod that features throwing weapons... You're going to have to figure out if you want to manage that and what's fair and what's in the spirit of the exercise for yourself. So, No penalty for shooting arrows. Yeah, with ranged weapons, you're paying the tax on the bow, but not the arrows. That's what we've decided, Joe. That sounds right. Okay. Bow tax. Bow, bow tax. tax. <laughs> okay? Bow tax. Don't uh, frown. <laughs> Get bow tax. That's right. Okay. Now, someone had the comment here. Wolfisa said, Season 4, Skyrim Accountant. I hope that's not what this turns into. Uh, I hope that y'all don't feel like this is going to be uh, obnoxious. Uh, I don't think it is. And, and for those of you who are waiting for Skyrim Season 4, Skyrim Accountant, the audit <laughs> continues. That's okay. <laughs> the if, audit if you've continues. been waiting for that, that's great. We got you right? covered. <laughs> No, I think right. it'll be a, a, lo a lot less cumbersome than it might feel like at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think that it will become kind of second nature, right? So it, it right. really that's does what, feel a, I mean. a bit like, yeah. you know, what yeah. you're carrying. There is going to be a bit of sort of brain what budgeting it, going on. but What we're hoping it does is it kind of forces you to make decisions throughout your play. Yeah. About it does. Some of, the, some of your choices. You know, whether it's looting or selling or mm -hmm. smithing, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Strudel has a great question. So she's just confirming, do I have this right? Picking up gold does not require snowberries, but once you spend the item, it does. Yes. Yes. That is okay? correct. That, that is what we're talking about. Be we, we don't want to double tax you on this. That's kind of double jeopardy thing, right? <laughs> um, it's much easier to manage 
when you spend it. the transaction, right? <clears throat> when you're spending it, because when you're spending it, you're doing that with intention and you have the opportunity to kind of pause and think through how much you're spending and do the calculation. So we're not going to charge you when you're just out there in the world, picking up gold, spending with intention. Right. We're going to assume that you have a box of Kleenexes with you and you're <laughs> okay. So yeah. So no double taxing, pick up as much gold as you want. You just got to worry about it when you relieve yourself of that gold, whether it's through smithing or sales or whatever. Transactions. Sweet. Okay. Just have plenty of snowberries on hand when you want to buy that home in solitude. My <laughs> Holy word. hell. A hundred snowberries. I it's know. It's like 10,000. That's a lot. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's, is it 5,000? No, it is. 5,000 normal. 10,000 in solitude, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, that's 10,000 septums. I've never even approached 10,000 septums. How do you get 10,000 septums? Strudel says 25K. What? Is it? I thought it was 10K. I, I thought so, I would too. have to console command to get well, that kind of coin. I'm going <laughs> to defer to Strudel because I, yeah. I have no doubt that that is correct. How, many, uh-huh. how many people have well, bought and then you have here? to And then you have to furnish it. It doesn't come fully furnished? N- well, no. No. It doesn't. It comes co- just completely just empty. Air. Bare bone. Yeah. It's too bad you can't yeah. go loot other people's homes of their furniture. To go. Yeah. I suppose you could. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how that would look as you were walking through solitude with basically a couch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, what's interesting about this whole thing is it is it offers a bunch of interesting role play challenges, but it it's a simple mechanic that will allow you... To also emphasize in your playthrough the value of money in kind of um, an abstract way, an indirect mm-hmm. way, right? Right. Which I think is kind of interesting to think about because most of the time, by Skyrim standards, a lot of our characters, by the time you hit level 15, are basically considered rich in this game. I mean, you can make a lot of money very quickly in this game if you want to. Unless you're Matt. Unless you're 25,000 septums is <laughs> a lot. Yeah. That is, that's a lot. Of course, of, Matt likes yeah. to battle people in his skivvies. In a so. loincloth, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the only one who talked about a mostly naked Nord. Somebody else here was talking about it. Probably Strudel. Matthew <laughs> Kelly, Septimus Prime. Septimus Prime. <laughs> Septimus Prime. Septimus Prime. <laughs> you can only chop wood for so long. Right? That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Septimless Prime. Yeah. So Actually, that's my next t-shirt. Perfect. <laughs> Septimless Prime. Septimless yeah. I love Prime. that. <laughs> okay. So I hope everyone is clear on this. Now, the, the other thing that, um, you know, I'm assuming that uh, well into this season, people are going to still have questions about this. And... That's what Discord is for. That's what this document is for. Okay, if you find someone on Discord who wants to get involved, point them to this document so that they can understand the rules. Uh, We will also endeavor to answer as many questions as we can in this podcast and on Discord, if at all possible. But your experiences with this process and with this play style and the ingenuity that you exercise in overcoming it or dealing with it, right? Right. Is, is what we're interested in. 
Uh, and any discussions you have about your role play experiences, about game mechanics, mods, and things that you've added on to this, these are all the kinds of things that we want to hear about in your submissions for season four. And these are the things that we want to really, really dig into in our discussions. And I'm super excited oh, about, yeah, yeah. about what kind of stuff this could awesome. generate. See, now, I think if, because I have I have a mod that changes some of the coin, yep. uh, if it's transactional i think i think it, it counts on the snowberry side of the world so i have a i have a mod and i'm sure others will or do too that changes some of the the coinage that you find either oh, into yeah. oh, right, right, septums yeah, sure. uh heralds or uh, dumox and they all smelt into different things whether it's gold silver or ebony hmm. mm -hmm. for simplicity just treat them all the same. Treat them as if they were all gold. Yep. Uh, Makes so sense. if you're going to smelt all your Dumox into um, uh, ebony or silver, whatever they smelt into, I think it's mm -hmm. ebony, but I don't remember exactly. Okay. Don't treat them as ebony. Just treat them as gold and pay your snowberry tax. Okay. <laughs> snowberry tax. <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. But one of the comments here was, uh, what was it? Uh, 25, 25K house, 500 snowberries. That's a lot of snowberries. That's a lot of snowberries. Man. Now, think, think about the, what we're talking about, though. With a carry here. weight of 0.1, in theory, you could carry enough snowberries to do that. You could, I suppose, right? <laughs> You'd have if to. the only thing you carried was snowberries. <laughs> right. I now, stash of snowberries I got to go get. Yeah. I, I mean... Um, Here's here's a great comment too. Um, I'm going to use ebony, so it's going to take a while before I'm comfortable in the world. Yeah, yeah, going to be very very interesting, especially uh, when you consider the fact that you've got to come up with a strategy ahead of time. If your if your ultimate goal is to use ebony at the end, and you're thinking about armor, for example. That means you have to be wearing heavy armor to get your heavy armor skill up to that point, right? Which means leather's not an option, hide's not an option, robes aren't an option. You're going to have to be wearing some kind of heavy armor along the way and paying the tax. Man. Yep. So uh, you're going to be building up to that, right? Right. But the reward is going to be at the end. Yeah. Whereas some people may choose to have the reward at the beginning right. um, and pay play a little bit harder later. Yeah, so, we kind of talked about this, you know, short versus long game kind of. Yep. You know, and what Yep. That's part of what I think is going to be a lot of fun to see what what transpires this season. Yep. Where's the first place that you encounter the Ebony Blade? The Ebony Blade? Oh. Um, I I think there is a level requirement before you can start getting access to that side quest, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah, I was wondering how long that would be before they like got comfortable pretty... in the world if Ebony wasn't going to be something you could reach until you were level 15 or something. So. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. But I mean, if you ever have a question about something too, I, this is what I will say, is that um, if you've got a piece of gear and you're trying to figure out what the requirement is for it, uh, if, if you go to a smithing station, either a grinding wheel or a workbench and just see what is required to play with it. I think that is what you could base your tax on. And just checking to see what the element is you're dealing with isn't going to cost you anything. It's not until you actually upgrade the item mm -hmm. or put the item on 
that you have to start worrying about that. Right. So feel free to use the smithing stations to check out what things are made of so that you know what you're dealing with. Right. Because it's not always obvious sometimes. No, no, it really isn't. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, there are going to be, even with leather, I think, like, so if you get into, like, studded leather, you might need steel. Right. Okay, so Nathan has another great question. He says, is it our prerogative to decide what material unique weapons and jewelry are made out of, i.e. keening, amulet of articulation, etc.? Oh, some of the unique items. Yep. I would say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, yeah. You, you decide. You decide. What, what makes sense to you? If it is an item you can upgrade, like armor or weapon, you could go to a smithing station and check it out. And find but if out. it's a piece of jewelry... Uh, like the amulet of articulation, just look at it, make a decision for yourself, and decide. Or the it's a you know crown of Baron Zaya. Has anyone ever completed that? I haven't, but I, have I mean, <laughs> I've been playing this. You guys know how much I play this game. I still haven't collected all the masks, so oh, that's a good point. You know, um, what's wrong with you? I mean, come on. Yeah. I did that like in my first game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, question: What? Are the way amulets? That you read that. I keep thinking of the office. What are amulets of the gods made of? Hmm. I don't know. They're made of God. They're, they're made of God. <laughs> Chunks I don't know. of God. Uh, I guess that would probably fit within the realms of uh, the last one, and that is you can determine it as what part of makes your... sense to you what do you need it or want it to be made of but are they all yeah. going to be made of the same thing is the question i don't think they no, have to be they don't I, have to be. i think i mean if i i wouldn't begrudge a person if they said i'm going to have an amulet of talos and i'm going to say that it's made out of bone sure i'm fine with that yeah i don't, I don't it doesn't bother me at the least bit um now you know be, because the you're going to pay the tax in other ways. Right. You know, so, yeah. I mean, even a mage has to concern themselves about this because they're going to wear gold, they're going to wear silver, they're going to buy and sell things, right? Right. I think the other thing we need to consider, too, is uh, staves. Or right. What are staves made of? You know, um, they, they qualify as a weapon, but nearly all of them show some sort of banding or something on it, right? Yeah, uh, a I get cradle at the top. That kind it of comes thing. down mm-hmm. to well, like magic staves. Yeah, like the staff of Magnus. Right. I yeah. mean, sorry, I'll keep. If saying you're it I watched your playthrough, the other if day. you're building a staff, there's requirements for making staves. If you if you have the the yeah. right DLCs. Yeah. So those are kind of self evident, in my opinion. Um, for the specialty staves or magical staves, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I use your use your judgment. I mean, this is the way that I would handle it. If you look at a staff from the restoration tree, it looks like it looks like a wooden pole with an orb at the top. Mm-hmm. I would look at that and I would say wood. If I'm looking at a destruction staff, it looks very much like it's made out of metal to me, and I would say metal. Right, like and I would the, choose one, like the the. The, the staves that the, the dragon priests carry. Yeah. They have a very metallic look to them, most yeah. of them. They look like they're made out of brass or bronze or right, gold right. or something, right? So that would, to me, yeah. say Dwemer. Right. But, yeah, I leave that, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't think we need to get into quite, No. I don't want us to dictate to that level. Yeah, you got to decide. Uh, so the goal is judgment call on staves, 
judgment call on amulets from gods, okay? But anything that has to do, you know, like a necklace that you would buy, a circlet that you would buy, a ring that you would buy, if it says, you know, golden ruby necklace... You know, right. that yeah. kind of thing. So or, amulet. Or, or, yeah. or necklace of necklace of major wielding. Right. Uh, that kind of thing. You look at that and it looks like the round gold necklace with the gems in it, not a gold chain. It is metal. Okay. So that's kind of where you should draw the line. Uh, one question was if it's some of those items that like hang off a backpack and stuff. I would say woodcutter's axe. I wouldn't charge you for that. It's a wood handle. Right. Right. Uh, torches look like they're banded in iron, but they're wood wouldn't charge you anything for that okay so right you just have to make a judgment call and you get to decide what's in the spirit of the game and what's not and how you want to interpret this and so i i can't emphasize enough that this isn't something that you should be stressed about this should be something that you use as an opportunity right. to enhance <clears throat> your game so you are empowered to make the decisions right. you are empowered to decide how this affects your game so that's what you do. It's okay. a tool. It's, it's a, a tool. tool. All right. So, uh, just like me, you're <laughs> yes. I'm a tool. Joe knows that. Oh, I've always Matt's known learning. That. <laughs> I'm a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, the vast majority of things are going to be pretty obvious because if you go to any crafting station, it's going to give you a list of things that mm -hmm. you need. Yep. To either create it or improve it, whether that's you know magical or not. So mm -hmm. that's going to be the, the like I say the vast majority of things. For those things that might kind of flit in between, that's mm -hmm. I guess your call, right? And yes, as I saw earlier, I did I didn't miss this. If somehow you are able to get out there in Nexus and find an EpiPen mod. Have at it. I haven't seen one yet. But you, if you're resourceful Man. enough to, if you create one, share it with everyone else. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's that's cool. could have used that for Golden Glow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Metal poison extractor. You know, wow. whatever, whatever you want to do. But yeah, I mean, this is this is uh, an exercise for you uh, to have fun and interpret how you like. Okay. So we we are not ogres sitting here dictating things. We took the time to sit down and come up with something that we thought would be fun and easy for you to follow. It's up to you to figure out how you want to implement it, and we would love to hear about it in future episodes. Yeah, and, and again, counting on it actually. Send us your <laughs> yeah. <laughs> send us your your questions, your struggles, your triumphs. Yes, all that good stuff that we can uh, present to everyone. Yes, and if we don't get any submissions, guarantee it, we'll still do a live stream. But I'm just going to play a recurring like looping track of crickets and we're going to sit over here and drink beer and talk. <laughs> What's the most annoying sound in the world, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, just for those of you who are in our listening only audience, I just want to reiterate where you can find these things. You can go to www.charactercrusade.com and you will find all the season four information you need there right on the homepage. Okay, right at the top of the homepage, you'll find all the resources that you need uh, for every episode of season four, as well as the Sacred Metal Guide. Okay, if you scroll down just a little bit further or go to events.charactercrusade.com, you will see all the dates lined up 
uh, for all of season four. So if you have any questions at all about when we're going to be live streaming again, you can just go to events.charactercrusade.com or go straight to the, to the homepage. You'll find all that information laid out there. And then if you want to get to the submission form, plus see just an abbreviated statement of the available rules and a link to the Sacred Metals Guide, you can go to unbound.charactercrusade.com, and that's where you're going to find the submission form and all those other resources. What's okay? the super secret special word for this season's entry? Uh, the super secret uh, word for our sponsors? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's good for us to mention that we, again, for season four, it's unbelievable. Lost Barrel Brewing keeps supporting us. Coming uh, through again and uh, again. Coming through again and again, all right? So if you want Amazing. to uh, go to charactercrusade.com and submit the promo code DEADBEVERAGE, you will be entered into a drawing to win a T-shirt, a Draugr Lager T-shirt from our shop. Um, and if you submit any questions throughout the season, you will also be entered into a drawing. So we are going to be giving away two free T-shirts at the end of season four, just like we did in season three. Uh, and if you get one of these t-shirts, we definitely expect to see a picture on Discord. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Sweet. All right. Anything else, fellas? Did we cover it all? Man, I think so. It's a lot of coverage. All right. So thank you all for your time and attention. We're looking forward to seeing what you come up with in season four, and we will see you in two weeks for episode two and We are of looking Unbound. forward to your experiences. All right, we'll see ya. Bye. Bye. Unbound Roleplay Workshop is a production of Character Crusade and Couch Warrior TV. For more information on our podcasts, videos, past Unbound seasons, or to follow us on social media, visit our website at www.charactercrusade.com. If you would like to get involved in Unbound, you can find everything you need to know, including schedule, season syllabus, homework submission, and play rules on our Unbound information page. Go to unbound.charactercrusade.com to get more from your Skyrim experience. For more than three years, Character Crusade has set the standard in Skyrim roleplay ideas and innovation. This podcast would not be possible without support from listeners like you. Make a donation in any amount through our Patreon campaign. Visit donate.charactercrusade.com and join our growing group of faithful patrons. Thank you for your support. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Unbound Season 3 Plus 1. Enterprise, uh, enterprise. No, we're gonna have artifacts. <laughs> you artifact.
that butler feeling. Oh, that, that butler feeling. You've lost that butler feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That's for the guy who was editing to deal with. <laughs>